0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Fashion, and this week, I'm joined here by the one and only Dwayne. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: We got to redo that intro. You don't like that one? The one and only Futsal King.
0: Fuck, <laughs> get out of here. Futsal King. All futsal right, Academy right. coming 2024. So, is that is that a progression from the right back academy? No,
1: it's still going to be. You still got the right back academy. You know, like, futsal clubs are like branches off of their regular clubs just for yeah. futsal. We're just gonna focus on futsal. Right back yeah. academy is still open for business. That it's
0: still open, you're still looking for recruits.
1: I mean, I, you can come to the right back academy, complain the futsal academy. You could possibly transition back to a striker.
0: All you right. score goals. Okay. All right.
1: You might be I a mean, better striker.
0: You never know, man. You might be you might be able to find yourself some new recruits very soon in the right back academy. <laughs> Oh, we're,
1: I got, a, I got some prospects out there. I mean, it's high school season. coming up. So there's going to be some prospects. You're going to be doing some community
0: outreach for the <laughs> academy.
1: We got flyers coming out. <laughs> selling t-shirts at the, uh, at the, uh, high school scrimmages tomorrow.
0: There you go, man. That's good. So, yeah. So high school season has started officially. um, so I'm excited. I mean, first week at Odessa, record-breaking numbers at tryouts. Record-breaking. We were all set. We've been setting records. The both of us have been setting records. I mean, well, because you had record-breaking numbers at your football tournament, right? Yeah, I heard it went well. I heard it went well too. Oh. Um, you know, I, mean, I I got I got you know I got some sources that have been. uh I got a lot of compliments. I mean, it went well. It went smooth. I mean, yeah. what's
1: what are the things you look for in a tournament? Right on time, officials, ball, yep.
0: nets, yep, bathrooms, yep, clean bathrooms. <laughs> I don't know. I I didn't get that much that detailed of a report, so I don't know. I mean, parking
1: probably was tough, but hey, parking is always tough. You have to pay to park. Right. food trucks, coffee, concession stands. Wow. and we checked the boxes the refs were happy they got fed
0: <laughs> yeah you guys give did you guys give uh the the referee some some hydration materials too or no uh no nah, i gave them i was responsible
1: for lunch i gave them some uh chick-fil-a chips cookies cookies were, whew, man yeah those chick-fil-a cookies i know you don't like chick-fil-a cookies. I, just don't eat, I just don't eat meat so it's kind of pointless for me to go there <laughs> But, yeah, if you go there and get some cookies, man, they're good. And and the chips. And the chips. Mm,
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Um, Those are are very good. Um, And then Sunday we have Wawa. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with Wawa, Turkey Sub. We don't do ham, no pork. Turkey Sub, and, I mean, hey, referees were happy. I was happy. Fans were happy. Uh, The paper towels were not happy kids spilling water dude. kids spill water every five minutes on the court it's like oh Come my on. goodness but I do want to shout out to the coaches i think it was chris downer and dennison from dennison futsal academy there was a big spill on the court we had to delay a game three minutes and shout out to them just bringing it into action we were all on our kids' knees, knees wiping that nice <laughs> wiping that court up because i was like we cannot fall back on time i said like, we could start to watch ourselves but we cannot yeah, you can't afford to fall back because you'll be—you'll never get that back. We'll never get that back. I mean, the indoor game was pushed back forty-five minutes just from cleanup for two courts. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to everybody. Shout out to Jeremy counting down for twenty-four hours. You know, twelve DJ. hours on Saturday, almost twelve hours on Sunday. The DJ. Yeah. Shout out to Alex for the shirts. Feel like I just won an award or something. <laughs> <laughs> Imperial Graphics. Imperial Graphics. Shout out to my hood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how it feels, man. Just shout out to everybody. No, it was a great event. Um, good man. Without a lot of people, so it was good. You know, shout out to the refs. Shout out to Kyle Razowitz. I mean, everybody that had a piece of the puzzle. Part timers at King County. The coaches for coaching. Cool. Players for playing.
0: Good stuff, man. And
1: the ball for going in the net. <laughs> I mean, listen. We only have one zero zero game. Yeah and i might have been a part of the other two low scoring games a one zero game and a 1-1 game but there was a lot of goals being scored good so do you want uh, yeah, i mean futsal you don't really expect any like low scoring games but there was no. a zero-zero. not, game. not <laughs> the youth level now turned in the score core the scorecard. we're like
0: uh you want to put the score down he was like oh it was <laughs> <laughs> um so that's good um yeah good stuff good good end of the winter to a certain extent, right? Like where to end it are officially transitioned back outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, high school, high school seasons have started across the, across the state. Um, Hopefully coaches are treating their players correctly. Um, (laughs) Not trying to, (laughs) not trying to burn them down. Um, Yeah. I've always had a thing like this is, this has been the first preseason. I think that I've, that I've incorporated more strength and conditioning things more endurance um, and I feel like today for example is a day where I mean luckily it's going to rain so it kind of helps works out but today where the players at, at Odessa need a break they're they're tired they're a little sore and we got scrimmages tired. so we're gonna give them gonna give them a day off well not a day really off so we're gonna do some team building yeah man four days running a lot two hour practices. Whoa.
1: Excellence. You're trying to go for excellence. You're trying to be a champion. Well,
0: that's why today we're gonna to do a recovery day slash team building, right? Still gonna get something out of the day. There's no C in team building. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do a we're gonna do a team building activity as we get prepared for tomorrow. So it'll be a prep day for tomorrow. There's no C in team building. We're doing a prep day, man. Periodization. We're doing a prep day. We went high yesterday. Peaked, peaked. A little rest day, recovery today. Ready to go tomorrow. You know, there's a scene.
1: Champions, um, yeah. There's no scene recovery or periodization.
0: There is a there is a scene recovery. Is there a scene periodization of a team building? That's uh, alright. Yeah, I can um, but yeah. So do we? It'll be good. I'm excited. Um, yeah, we'll almost over, we have over 30 players out of Dessa this year. Um, and still no no senior class, so that's it's, it's good numbers. Um, so I have a freshman team next year. Maybe, maybe. I have to make cuts. No, no, I like to make sure that players have the opportunity to play and experience it. Right, like that. We talked about this yesterday: is expectations and it's understanding that this idea of tryouts has this like negative connotation of like you're gonna be you either good enough or you get cut. When I haven't been able to give it, I haven't given you the opportunity to, to, to learn. Right, like we should be. If not, if they don't learn it. If they don't they don't give if they're not given the opportunity as a freshman, for example, to come in and learn something they want to learn, where else are they gonna learn it? The majority of them at this point have aged out of recreational soccer. So they're just like, all right, well, soccer is no longer a thing for you, so goodbye. Right? Like I think the point of us is to provide opportunities for players that want to be there. So
1: yeah.
0: So as long as they want to be there, we, we'll make an effort to. To make sure we get them the right coaching and and the environment that they need to to learn
1: there you go
0: i'm not a high school coach (laughs) um we are doing an interview today which is fitting for what happened for what was saturday or this past weekend which was the opening of mls weekend dude yeah i was there it was cold uh, left after seats. left after the sixty fifth minute, I think. After the comeback was complete, right before the, f- uh watched the third goal, and then left before the fourth goal. Um, so, but so our interview today is with uh JP Del Camera. We got to interview him at the convention. Thanks for every yeah, day. That was thanks this funny You remember that day? I do remember that day. You caught him in the bathroom. Called him in the bathroom
1: told us to meet us there went to the, the coach's bathroom? social huh told him to meet- No, he, uh-huh. we, he told us to meet up he told us to meet us there at like 6 15 back at our booth yeah we went to the coach's social yeah um rushed through that yeah came back set everything up sat there for 15 minutes was like man this guy
0: just stood us up <laughs> uh, he showed up but he, he came through he came through and gave us a fantastic interview um and I and I talk about it at the beginning of the, the 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 interview like this is one of the times where I was legitimately like intimidated by the person I was interviewing. Um, yeah, JP Delacamera, yeah, big time. So, uh, we'll listen to that now. Doing rarely do I uh I usually I I get a little nervous when we when we interview people um when we have guests on um I do think. In this scenario, I'm I'm slightly intimidated, uh, just a little bit. I mean, it's a familiar voice, right? I mean, if you if you're a
1: staple, you watch Philadelphia Union games. I'm, I'm kind of hinting to who we have. It's a it's a voice that's very familiar.
0: If you um, watch the World Cup, if you watch uh, U.S. women's soccer, uh, if you just watch soccer. If you watch, watch soccer.
2: soccer. <laughs> See now, I'm
0: intimidated. <laughs> See, uh, JP De La Camera is here. Uh, JP, how are you? I'm great uh
2: convention is fantastic i'm I'm just starting to see a bunch of old faces you know familiar faces from from the past which is always good it's like a social thing for me and it's great to see so many so many people and i see a lot of union fans here just did a session with jim carton for an hour and a lot of union jerseys and union shirts that i saw people season ticket holders so it's like being home
1: you're talking to one right here so perfect yeah season ticket holder
0: yeah, I'm going to be a season ticket holder this year, I think. Yeah, so well, that'll be...
1: He He's buying season tickets for another reason. You know, He heard the news. Um, unfortunately, you're no longer going to be calling the union uh, games on a regular basis. So, it, you know, there's no point of him staying home uh, anymore, yeah, I right? Can't right. say There's no
0: point in staying home no. at this point. Now I'm going to go it's, to the game. It's
1: better
2: at the stadium anyway. You yeah, know, the experience, absolutely. right? Yeah. The live experience. I mean, they always say that about hockey as as the ultimate game. And I, and I agree with that because I broadcast it too. But to be in the stands for a hockey game, like a Stanley Cup playoff game, but... When you have eighteen thousand uh at Subaru Park in a playoff game, that atmosphere is crazy. Yeah. You know, it's as crazy as, as any place, anywhere, any sport. And so you
0: could watch it on TV, that's great. But if you could be there in person, even greater. Even better. Um all right, JP. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, let's start off with women's soccer first. Uh, UWS is a league that we're a part of as well, and, and you've been a part of it from almost from the beginning, right? Uh,
2: Twenty eighteen is when we started. Yeah.
0: With the kinetic infusion. Uh, so tell us about that experience and what brought you or what drew you into the league. Uh,
2: initially, Shep Messing and I wanted to run our own team. But we we're both broadcasters and we thought nobody's going to have us run a team. So we we're looking for opportunities. Uh, UWS seemed like a viable thing, uh, budget-wise, uh, concept-wise. It was in our area. and So we we set out to do that, to, to have our own team. And then as we were looking for a place to put it, a stadium to put it, we ran into a group FSA where they owned a facility and they had always thought about running a team but didn't have somebody to run it. So it was a perfect place for a marriage between the two of us. They financed it and then Shep and I ran it.
0: Awesome. And so how how has been how's that experience been so far?
2: We've done five years, you know, including COVID, made the playoffs every year, got to a final one year, which was our second year, as I remember, got to a final. Uh extremely rewarding, you know. I mean, you're in it for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. You know, the opportunities for women, you know, first of all, and, and their growth and helping them either get from High school to college or college to pro or just have a good experience right uh but everybody i think wants to win as well and so we were all jacked when we were going to that <laughs> playoff and then getting to the final and you know lost to a better team on that day i mean wasn't even a close game uh had we finished chances maybe early maybe something changes but that was a, a fair result on that day
0: um broadcasting um, the reason why I brought up the fact that I was slightly intimidated is because a long time ago when I was, uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life, I still don't really understand, really don't. But, uh, one of the, one of the paths that I, uh, for a period of time decided to try to pursue was, was broadcasting. Uh, I, I enjoyed being behind a microphone. Uh, radio was, 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 a, was a calling for a little bit. Um, and TV broadcasting for a brief period of time was something that I was trying to do. Um, how did you get started in it?
2: Uh, I wanted to be a hockey announcer, NHL announcer. That's how I started. I grew up in Boston in the days where the Boston Bruins were like, you know, the flyers of the old days, the broad street bullies where they were winning all the time and selling out and high TV ratings. So I always wanted to do that. So I did minor league hockey for about 10 years, never got a break, uh, decided to go with an indoor soccer opportunity that led to outdoor soccer opportunities. And this is what I tell future broadcasters, when they think about like giving up, um, when I stopped looking for an NHL job, I got one years later. (laughs) The call came to me. It was somebody that I knew. It helps to know people. Otherwise I wasn't doing hockey. So there was no reason to call me, but I filled in for somebody in Atlanta. They liked what I did a couple of years later, their guy left and they called me. And so I thought I chased that dream for so many years, never got it. And then when I stopped chasing it, I did. So I wouldn't, you know, if you've got talent, if you've got ability uh, and you hit a couple of setbacks, you know, if you believe in yourself and think that things can go your way, keep it up.
0: The voice of the union for for such a long time. Since the inception. Yeah. 13. 13 thirteen years how 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 is that growth? We talk about the Philadelphia Union quite a bit. we've We've interviewed um Alex Carrington, who's one of the the group sales managers for the for the Philadelphia Union, and he's been there for a long time as well. And just the growth of the of the of the team, and you've seen it you yeah. you've, you've, you've you've seen the you've seen the growth on the field and uh, what what's what's that growth like? and what's it like to ultimately get the chance to call? some 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 more more some better better results as as the years have gone right
2: yeah just thinking about it like over the years i mean we had some bad teams you know uh when when they made the playoffs initially i think it was the second year maybe they made the playoffs Mm -hmm. and then the next year they blew it up you know there was no plan they changed more than half of the roster Uh, under jim Curtin. we've seen not only growth but consistency i think that Years ago, people criticized the team unfairly, saying that they didn't spend money. They did spend money. they didn't just they didn't spend foolish money, and they didn't spend the money still don't spend the money that Atlanta United spends or Toronto FC spends. But who's been a better team over the last four or five years? Yeah, it's Philadelphia. And the biggest change that I've seen is that before when people would say things about the union, they don't want to spend, they don't want to. Uh, put big money out. They just want to compete. They don't care about titles. Now everybody wants to be like Philadelphia. Yeah. Because here's Atlanta. They won an MLS cup. Then they don't make the playoffs. You know, they've never recovered since then. No, they, they right now, I think Atlanta, great ownership. You know, they've got management, great fans. They've got so many great things, but they don't right now have a culture or a system or anything that's in place they're inconsistent, you know, what's their identity? Whereas with the Philadelphia union,
0: they definitely have an identity and a consistency. Is there, is there, how is that from a broadcasting perspective? The, the consistency of uh, developing that identity, right? I feel like every, every broadcaster, every announcer has their own spin and their own way of doing that. How did you develop that and what, you know, Have you changed along the way and have you just kind of found your niche and just kind of stay with it?
2: No, I I think I've always been the same, but I think that anybody that's broadcasting for a team, name the team, name the league, name the sport, doesn't matter. uh, You want your team to do well, right? Because selfishly, the better your team does, the more people come to the games. The more they listen on the radio, the more they watch you on TV, you know, the more popular you can become. So from a selfish standpoint, it helps you if your team is successful. You know, if you're working for a team and 10 years in a row, you're not in the playoffs, it's still a great job. Yeah. I mean, I've worked for teams that, I mean, Atlanta, five years, I think we made the playoffs once and we, we were swept in four by the Rangers, right? But some of the best years of my life were with the Atlanta Thrashers. And so it really doesn't matter deep down, but I do know the more successful you are, the better. And when Jacob Glessner scored that goal two years ago and there's 18,000 there, and the the decibel level is at an incredible high, that's different calling that goal than if there were 7,000 people there five years ago or six years ago, or in a meaningless game. That goal, at that time, and Jim Curtin agreed with it in, in the last session that we did, was the biggest goal at that time in the history of the Philadelphia Union. And so to have it, have everything, it was a perfect moment, right? Because 18,000, it's a game winner, it's against your rival, you lose and you're out. Everything clicked.
0: Um, let's switch gears to the U.S. Women's National Team, a team that you've gotten to to, to do calls for a long time. Um, where have you seen that growth, and where have you seen the growth of women's soccer in general? Uh, you got to call the Copa, the Copa America Feminina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. Um, and and even that tournament's grown tremendously, and South American soccer's grown tremendously. I'm from Argentina, so for. For me, watching watching that in the United States was uh, was yeah. a moment of pride, considering where Argentinian soccer was at the women's level. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, uh, so where it was called those games? Yeah, remember yeah, where <laughs> where, uh, where have you seen where have you seen that growth and where do you think it's going? Uh, the growth has been
2: amazing. If you go back to, I mean, when they won it in 1991, they didn't even call it a World Cup. It was called, I want to say, the World Championship. Yeah. Um, I wasn't doing those games, but nobody really knew about it. It was a secret, you know, very few people greeted them at the airport, you know, and you fast forward to even 2019 where the U S in France felt like the home team, yeah. even in the game against France, there was loud cheering when the U S scored. Um, that's huge. You know, they have so many fans all over the place. The, the things I've noticed about the women's game is that, you know, it does go in cycles. So when I grew, grew up, watching them, it was Mia Ham. it was Christine Lilly, it was Brandy, it was Julie, uh, you know, people that we called on a first name basis. And you wondered like, how could anybody replace them? And then Abby Wambach comes along, you know, and how do you replace Abby Wambach? Well, here's this kid, Alex Morgan, who's 19, and now Alex is like 32, you know? Well, who's Sophia Smith and who's Kat Macario? Yeah. Like, we just keep developing them. So I think that there's, you know, it's not really rebuilding or retooling. It, it just kind of happens, right? Like not everybody gets old or older at the same time. And so you haven't had to do a rebuild, I would say. And I don't know if that day will, will ever come. I, I don't know because they keep bringing in all these new players. So I think they're trying to keep it fresh and there's pressure on them again. Nobody's ever won three straight yeah. Women's World Cups. Could they do it? They absolutely could. But I gotta tell you, there's some other terrific teams out there. And and an early name to throw out as a favorite has to be England.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Well coming off of the Euros. Yeah. Euros. Yeah. That's yeah. no secret. I mean, yeah, just... I'm
2: not breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're excellent. Yeah. They're excellent. And Germany's good. Yeah. Uh, Netherlands, I I know they had some injuries, but Netherlands are good. Sweden, yeah. Brazil under Brazil, PIA, Yeah. Under PIA. You know, yeah. There's some good teams out there. Yeah, Canada can't forget Canada. Yeah. here's a
1: sneak. Here's a sneak peek in the next year, right? Yeah, yeah here's a right. sneak
0: peek in who to who to watch. Um, what's it like to travel and to, to be able to see all these places and enjoy what you do at the same time?
2: Travel is is interesting. Um, so let me take you to the World Cup in in Qatar. It was the the easiest travel that I've ever had, other than a 14 hour flight to Doha. (laughs) But but once there, you're like 30 minutes away from each stadium, maybe 40 minutes, right? There wasn't a lot of traffic. We would find our driver when the game was over. And unless we had the late game, which I think was at 10 o'clock their time, uh, we'd be back in our hotel at like 9.30 at night so you could prepare for the next game. When I did the 2006 World Cup in Germany, we did not have a host hotel, our group anyway, and so we had six games in six nights in six different cities, no flying. We were taking a train or a car. And because we had no host hotel, whatever we had, two suitcases, yeah. pack them up, game's over, pack them up, unpack, pack them up. Whereas here, you know, we had a nice corporate apartment in a hotel. You unpack once and then you packed up the day you left. So from that standpoint, you know, that's from one side of the spectrum to the other, from uh, grueling travel, which Germany was during that stretch, to something like like Qatar. We'll never see that again, though, because it'll never be in a country that size again. Yeah. First of all, you know, and we may see a trend now where two countries host it, like yeah. with the Women's World Cup. Right. Australia could have done it on their own. So could New Zealand. Yeah. But better to have them both probably for financial reasons. And I think you'll see probably. A lot of the next World Cup bids will come from and including us, right? USA, yeah. Mexico, Canada. Canada yeah. yeah. I think you'll see that. I think you'll see European nations and South American nations coming together to say, let's do this as two countries or three and especially if they're expanding it to forty eight teams. teams yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So would you say like when you were in Germany and your six days or six nights and six games, what's the preparation like in in um on those nights instead of like a you're at a central hotel at Doha. So are you like reading notes on the road? Are you like watching film? Like, what is that like? You're not watching video because there's no
2: time and there's no, there's really no internet connection. Like you're in a car, you know, you're in a big van. So, um, it's, it is different. You know, it's a different prep, I would say, but, but the funnier part about doing the six games and six nights, I was fine doing six games and six nights. But on the seventh day, (laughs) I was crap, you know what I mean? Because it's like, now what do you do? You're on that adrenaline, you know? It's like, if you're a player and you play seven straight days or train seven straight days, now you take two days off. Those two days, you're like, you're crashing, you know? Uh, But the the Doha thing was was good because I think we had a few days off during the tournament, but for the most part, it was probably like seven games I did over a 10 day or something like that, Uh, but far less taxing. On your body, and you could watch a lot of videotape because you're right back in your hotel.
0: Right. What was the experience like from a from a fan perspective uh, when you when you got to from what you got to see from the people that went to Qatar for the for this World Cup? I didn't,
2: I didn't get to go to the the fan centers. Yeah. That were They were not called fan centers. Fan they, fest. Fan fest, maybe. Um. So I, I didn't go in there because yeah. I was working. Yeah. Uh, I did go to one game though. I did go to um, as a fan. Yeah. 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 Really? Uh, yes, I did. Um. <laughs> Forgive me, too many games. Um, France, and I'm forgetting who the other team was because we, France, uh, drawn a blank. But I, we did get tickets to go and to see Mbappe, like to <laughs> see Mbappe it. in person when you're broadcasting is one thing, but now if you don't have to comment on what he's doing and you can actually like watch him, watch him.
1: Could you keep up with him when you were commenting?
2: <laughs> you try. <laughs> you know? Like for radio, I don't know how you can. Because every move that he makes, right, you have to describe it, and it's hard. Because by the time you describe his first move, he's done his second. Yeah. By the time you try to describe his second, he's either on his third or the ball's in the net, right?
0: <laughs> so it would have been either Australia, Denmark, Tunisia, Poland, England, Morocco. It was or... later. It was later in the
2: tournament. So Morocco, yeah. England. What
0: was the score? 2 nothing. the Morocco game. 2-1 against England. 3-1 against Poland? No, it
2: wasn't England. It was Poland. Sorry. Poland. 3-1, 3-1 Sorry. against Poland. Thank you for reminding me. Because I, <laughs> I have a, a Polish friend who is my research guy. That's how I remember. Okay. And he was devastated. Mm-hmm. And I knew not to like make fun of him because like he took it to heart. You know what yeah. I mean? So that was the game I went to as a fan. Fox had tickets for us. And I thought, as busy as I was, I thought, I got to take this opportunity. You know what yeah. I mean? I could go. So from a fan experience, it was fine. You know, it was typical, nothing, nothing I saw out of the ordinary. Um, we didn't witness anything bad. That's good. You know, speaking for myself, I didn't see anything bad in Qatar. I mean, the Grand Wall tragedy is like hard to even speak about. I wasn't there for that, but I mean, we didn't see any, anything that was bad in Qatar. I would say. Shouldn't have been there. I'm not saying right. that it should have been. Yeah. But I'm just saying as a as somebody that was there for three weeks, you know, we were treated, we were treated very well. Right. Everyone spoke English. Food was fine. Transportation, like just we navigated normal day. It well. normal day, right? Yeah. We navigated it well. I would say.
0: Um what is that preparation like for 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 a game? And what is the difference between doing radio versus uh television?
2: Uh, to prep for a game, everybody has their own thing. Um, I think I prep the same way. I'd like to think I prep the same way for a world cup game as I do a union game, but I probably don't, I I probably give it another 10% maybe because I don't know those two teams. Like I know the union and New York Red Bulls, for example. So you'll probably spend at least another 10% on that. Uh, it's a world cup game. So it's probably in your mind, uh, even subconsciously that it's, it's the world cup, you know, it's messy, it's Mbappe, you know, it's a different level, I would say, um, radio, TV, totally different call, um, <laughs> TV for me is the, is the right thing because I like to speak less and let the pictures tell the story. And there's no reason to talk over some of the biggest moments, you know, let the crowd go, let the players celebrate, let the director. Cut the shots. Whereas radio, one of the toughest games I've ever had a call was that MLS Cup final, uh, Philadelphia and LAFC. It was, we streamed it. It was not radio, uh, it was not on the radio station, but yeah. it was a radio call. And it was difficult because we were in a corner of the stadium. So we're not in the center of the field. We're pretty far away, like so far away that when the goalkeeper, Craig Poe, got hurt. You know, we couldn't tell how serious it right. was from, from a distance. Um, but to have to describe everything to somebody that's sitting like on the edge of their seat and wanting to know, you know, what's going on. And, and there's a, there was a personal level for me too, because I know what these players put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I know what Jim Curtin put into it. And while I've always said, we don't think about things when, when they're going on. Right? Like people will say, did you know that that game was going to be this? No. Right. Did I know that 30 years later, people would be talking about this one game? No. How do how you know that? Yeah. Right? Um, So, usually when a game is over, somebody will ask you, is that the greatest game you've ever seen? And I'll say, it's too early. You know, like maybe, but I don't know. Right? Do you but, rewatch the game? No. I used to. Um, I used to, but then. I did so many games that, it was enough, <laughs> you to know what up. I mean? But if if there's something that somebody says that was an amazing call or it keeps getting replayed, I'll watch it. So like like the Glusness goal, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen it, <laughs> but not, not even my choice, yeah. but somebody will send interview you. me and they will play that clip and it gives me chills when I hear it. And, and the one that I always remember was Wayne Rooney, in Audi Fields against uh, Orlando, I want to say. I think it was Orlando. Um, gets a game winner at the end on a long ball to Acosta. Yep. It's the greatest yep. goal I called in my MLS career.
0: Is that the same game where he also ran back and made a save on the sliding tackle? Yeah, that's the sliding And
2: when I say it's the best call, that I that I made in my ambulance career, it's because I can remember it right now. Yeah. Clear as day. I saw his eyes because our press box was so low. Yeah, it's, uh, not, a lo- it's not a it's not a high low. field. Yeah, yeah, it's low. He's running towards me. I see his eyes and I know he's gonna get the ball. Yeah. There's no way he's not getting that ball. Yeah. I could see it in his eyes. I didn't know what was gonna happen next, but I could see that. And it happened like so quickly that all I'm doing is really reacting to it to each move that he, if that was on radio, that would have been a much tougher call. <laughs> but that one, cause I got a lot of feedback that night. So I went back and watched it a few times. And when I read a story about it, sometimes I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch it again. But I would say this to you, that MLS cup final took more out of me than any game I can remember doing. And I think it's because, you know, deep down, I am a Philadelphia union person and I know how much this meant to the fans. I know how much this meant to the coach, coaching staff, ownership, players, and I felt gutted for them. I would have been okay if they lost 2 one, to nothing, right? Whatever you want, regular but not, time, but not nightly. the way, but not that way. Not, yeah. not that way, because there was a time where, uh, even though, like I said, you're not thinking about these things during the game, but as LAFC is doing okay, you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, maybe it's not, maybe it's not, it's not, not Bay Union's day." Right. Yeah. But then when Elliott scores, you know, and then. You know, he scores again, and now you're like minutes away. Yeah. It's like you're thinking to yourself, "Oh my god, it's happening! It's happening!" They're going to win <laughs> MLS Cup. I
0: absolutely. might get a ring. Yeah. I got to support you. <laughs> I might
2: get a ring. You know, like it goes in your head for like absolutely a split yeah. second because by the time you spend another ten seconds to think about it, Gareth Bale is scoring a goal. So right. you don't really think about it, but that was a very emotional game for me, and more so because it was a radio call. If it was TV, yeah, would have been easier but it was radio and it was like gut-wrenching i would say
1: what's your most so you said that the wayne rooney goal was your favorite mls goal what's your most memorable just any memory of any game the biggest like,
2: chastain's goal i would say in goal 99 only because it was a one-word goal call <laughs> Um, but it still lives on. Sorry, I was only
1: four years old. You are going to have to go a little oh bit more in depth for oh me. Sorry. I'm so sorry, I am so sorry. I
2: I apologize. I apologize, Dwayne. Um, I had set it up before. Like I said, I like to let the pictures tell the story. And I, as much as I think penalty kicks is a cruel way to go out from a broadcaster standpoint, it's like ecstasy. You know, I mean, it's it's that's it, right? Next kick, you win the World Cup or you lose the world cup, right? So in this case, I had set the stage where I had said, you know, if she scores, the U.S. wins. So when I said goal, I didn't say, you know, U.S. wins. I said that (laughs) later when the crowd died down and all that. And people said to me, what did you do when it was all that celebration? And why weren't you talking? I said, I was watching it like a fan, Yeah, like time stood still. Like I can still see the confetti flying and and the joy on people's faces like that's it's it's my most memorable goal i would say and it was a penalty kick and it was one word right so that's why they say less is best
1: yeah right what's your what's your favorite i guess what's the i guess best stadium you've ever called a game in i mean i know you said audi field was like lower that you're yeah, closer that was to but it was the best stadium that's a
2: tough one because i think if i told you it's Subaru uh,
1: Park, right?
2: Yes, Subaru <laughs> Park. Let's go down. Yeah, let's go down. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's it. we're done. But I want to tell you a story because I don't know how much time we have. No, and, we have as much you're time the as you. First have. Guys that have heard this, because you talked about being intimidated yeah. right at the start, right? So I'm not dropping names, but I probably interviewed Pele three times, right, in my life, and so sorry to see that he passed away last week. But the most intimidated I ever was doing a broadcast, I was told myself and Shep Messing were going to interview him before New York Cosmos game and we were going to tape it and I could see people pressed up against the glass of the press box that were watching this and Pele was not in good health. So I think I had one arm around him. Maybe Shep had an arm around him and it was going to be like a three minute interview and I thought to myself, you know, his English is not good. He understands, but you know, I got to make sure the questions are okay. But I thought to myself, I can't screw this up. I I don't want to say to Pele, like if I ended it and I flubbed the words like going to break, I got to tell him we got to do it all over again, (laughs) you know? So to me, that was the most pressure I ever felt doing an interview because I thought it's not live, but I have one shot at this. And he was such a gracious man. And like so many people loved him, so beloved uh, around the world. Uh, we probably knew this day was coming, you know. Yeah. At at some point, we wish it wasn't
1: that's now. True. Yeah, but
2: and I, and he's before your time too. If you were four uh,
1: years yeah. old, and, <laughs> I have on, I actually have on some Pele pants. You do so, yeah. okay. That's good. I actually have um, a Union shirt on underneath this. I just thought about that. Good. Um,
0: <laughs> so you you brought something up because I was so um I got to see um I got to see. Argentina play against Jamaica at the Red oh, Bull yeah. Stadium right yeah. before right before the World Cup. Andre Blake played right yeah in that game. Yep. Yep. Um, and this is my first time uh seeing Messi live in a stadium. Um, and I was with my dad, and it was somewhat of an emotional moment because he got to watch Maradona play at Boca Juniors through through 1982 and and everything else. And and I asked my dad, you know, have you you know when? Because I what I saw was almost hard to explain the the fandom for for one person oh yeah an entire stadium for basically one person that's i asked him if it was the same thing was was that what pele was from a from a u.s perspective do you think in in his e i mean i know i saw a lot of people um that that i that i grew up with coaching that have thanked Pele for for basically putting the U.S. on a, on the yeah, map to a second extent it did. from a soccer standpoint. But do you think that's that was his lasting? That's one of his legacies from a, from a United States perspective was the fact that he brought
2: without a doubt because a lot of people associate him with New York Cosmos. When realistically, he was in all those World Cups for Brazil, even as a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. Right, uh, so many years with Santos. I mean, that that was really his club, right? So. Uh, Pelé's mark in the game was not comparable to anyone else. I think, I hate to hear the comparisons like in all sports because you're comparing different eras, right? I mean, for me, Messi is the greatest of the modern era and Pelé is the greatest of the previous era or eras, right? Uh, Some people think, you know, Ronaldo, Messi. um, uh, Pelé, Maradona. Uh Johan Cruyff was a terrific player. Georgie yeah. Best was a terrific player. Uh so many great players in our history, right? But I think Pele on his own, because I think he was the first guy that was the one name, right? Yeah. He was the first guy that you would say set the trend Pele, right? You didn't just say Maradona. Yeah. It was Diego Maradona, yeah. right? You still say Lionel Messi. Yeah. You just said Pele. And I know it's Brazilian, but but,
0: but there's something to be he's said about the guy. that. Yeah.
2: He's the guy. You know, what do they call Michael Jordan?
0: Michael. Jordan. Yeah, Michael.
1: Mike? Right? Uh-huh. That's One really, word. Yeah, Mike. that makes. That if, makes if
2: you go by one word,
1: <laughs> you're, good. you made it. You one made name, it in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I guess if we call you JP. JP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <right? laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was talking about
2: those guys or, or women, you know. Yeah, when Mia yeah. Hamm played, there was one Mia. Yeah. There well, was one Abby, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, you're getting a, an award tomorrow night. So I think it's fitting, you know, one word, JP. I mean, it kind of sums up. It's a it's a career of excellence award. So congratulations Thank on you. that. I think you deserve, I mean, hey, JP, especially in this area with the Philadelphia Union and everything you've done with the Union, I think you deserve, you know, one name. And I hope that, you know, the Union do honor you eventually, you know, put you in that Hall of Fame next, next to Latou. You deserve it.
2: That would be so nice. Um, they've already honored me, gave me a supportership ring and a jersey with my name on it, 13 seasons. The ovation that the fans gave me in that last game when they asked me to bang the drum, like those
1: are moments you don't forget. I'm sure they'll ask you to come bang the drum another time too to start a game. So (laughs) I gotta
2: gotta do better. I I think I did all right.
1: Uh, My daughters
2: were impressed with my form, (laughs) but. you can always do better.
1: He's going to be doing uh, strength training with the uh, fusion. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can always do better, right?
2: You can always do better.
0: Well, uh, JP, we want to thank you so much for your time. It's been My an pleasure. absolute honor um, to have you on. I, uh, I, I, I do. There are times where I, I watch games, um, and I'll stick on just because I like listening to your voice. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Dwayne. Um, I have. I have something I, I think you're you will hopefully understand and um and relate to and may hopefully agree with me. So I was at the Union game. Nope. No, and the first half in the first half there might have been probably close to seven offsides called on the Philadelphia Union. I'm trying to go and, forward. And where my seats are, I am in the first half. The Philadelphia Union try to score by the on goal you that I'm closest of. to. Yeah. So at one point, people were getting really upset because the referee, because there was an offside call and the ref, the AR raises flag, and the entire stadium, as is apparently common in Philadelphia, um, sports, they started ref, they started chanting "Ref, you suck." Oh, right? yeah, they love that. To my left were three probably ten-year-old boys um in the section next to us who who began following that chant and then at another another call that was not going the Philadelphia Union's favor kind of started to chant on their own the idea of ref you suck ref you suck and I I I got I got frustrated in that moment um and potentially not upset, but, like, and I wasn't going to, like, step up and be like, hey, little kid, don't say that. Like, I wasn't going <laughs> yeah, yeah, to do that because I wasn't going to the face. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. But you some, Have you met the team parents from Philly? <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. But, but I do think it does bring up the conversation of, like, this is the reason why at the youth level we end up with the problems that we have with referees. Because we find that acceptable and almost encouraged at the professional level to do this. And we have just taught the younger generation that then on Saturdays and Sundays in the mornings, go and play youth soccer at any level and feel like it's appropriate to do so. Why? Because when they go to the Philadelphia Union Stadium, mom and dad do it. Well, all right. So here's, here's the first part, right? Philadelphia fans are probably the most ruthless fans. Every sport die hard. There's a difference. But to me, there's a difference between the idea of the folklore of like when the other team gets announced and they say, whoever sucks. Like there's a difference between that's that's the home that's creating the home, the home crowd atmosphere to a certain extent, because it doesn't seem to be malicious in the sense that like it continues to happen. Right. That's ultimately your rival. The referee is not your rival. He might be the referee's not your rival. He might be. We, I mean, have, I think we have an MLS referee on, like, we we know they don't care,
1: we know they don't care, but you can't tell the fans that because, again, this is a Philly thing. And I'm not, I don't, I mean, the union are really the only Philly team I support and go to games. You'd have to, I have an idea of two people you could ask that are more Philly, yeah, that you know. I could kind of elaborate on why they do that and how they were raised because those 10 year old kids are also 40 year old adults somewhere in the stands that were those 10 year old kids. Yeah. So I think it's just a way of life for Philly. Like that's just how Philly, Philly's a tough, like you hear it when free agents come to Philly all the time from, for the Eagles and the six, Philly's a tough place to play. They love you when you're doing great and they hate you right. when you're doing bad. But,
0: but, but do you think that the referee abuse happens? I wouldn't say it's abuse sure it is a 10 year old kid yelling referee ref you suck and starting a chant is 100% abuse. It's verbal abuse. It's just, I think at the professional level, Again, yeah, these are professional referees, not youth referees, right? But, but that's the problem though. We don't know where the line is. We don't know the difference. Who is there to teach that kid? That line is there because the same knucklehead parent that's yelling down that the sideline also feels that it's appropriate to do it on Saturday morning at their kids game.
1: Yeah, Um, that's true. (laughs) I just—I mean, you're right. You're right to a certain extent. Like people need to understand where the line is. Um, but I think that at the professional level, you're going to be a professional referee. You're going to have to be able to withstand these large crowds. I mean, if you're going to do at the professional
0: level, at the professional level, I don't think referees are are getting yelled at the way that soccer referees are in any other sport no right like the thing that when the super bowl happened or whatever nobody like nobody went after the referee like that bad like or really at all right like nobody rushed the referee nobody cursed at him nobody got in his face nobody touched him nobody did any of that stuff in basketball it doesn't really happen either right you also have a more you have a more severe consequence in basketball and i pro- I think football too right can't you get a flag for for that in college you can um you can in the nfl but um. and in, maybe, in basketball you can get a technical foul yeah as a coach right or or as a player for for verbal abuse too like those are the things that sometimes in soccer we still haven't figured out like we 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 criticize the VAR, and and to a certain extent, I do as well, because it 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 taints the the essence of the game. Right, it taints the idea of the human error. It's still not a hundred percent clear how the VAR works. Half the time, I don't really understand it. Man, half the time they don't even use that thing. Right, but that's my point. But and and I'm not saying that there hasn't been elements of corruption in the past in soccer. Clearly proven in Italy, right? In Brazil, it's been proven like. As within the last few years. But but this idea of like just because you don't understand... like I looked at my wife and I was like, that was an offside. Like it wasn't that hard to understand. The problem is is you don't understand the rules, so you just start yelling for no whatever reason.
1: I mean, hey, listen. I've also been on the other side of it where I made some bad calls against 10 watts CFC and beers started hitting the field. <laughs> yeah, but I, again, I just—I I get it. I mean, again, when it's a pro team, and you're not like, again, when you're at a youth game, you're invested in it because it's your kid. I don't, there's not too many people showing up to youth games cheering without a personal, without some type of personal relationship there. When you're at a professional game, you don't have those professional relationships. This is your form of entertainment, and I, I think that's I think that's what takes place.
0: Yeah, but the kids—that's the part that drives me nuts—is because then you end up because I've been on the other side of it as a referee. Do you want to get Alex on here and tell them they got to have a family section? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is that, like, as a as a as a former referee, I've been on the I've been on the games where a kid will make a gesture to the referee or may or the way that they react to the referees because they saw it on TV.
1: Right, well, like it all starts with the it'll it'll start with the players too. Because if you're saying the same thing about the fans, you gotta say the same thing about a player.
0: Oh, because, I don't I don't
1: disagree with you because if if I don't disagree I, with you, if I'm a union fan and every time there's a card, I know two players that are immediately going up into the referee's face and arguing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I, you gotta
1: have the same expectation. If that's gonna be the expectation, you gotta have the same expectation for a fan. A kid as a fan and a kid watching a player. Right. Because if my kid's favorite player is uh Jose Martinez. Yeah. Well, one, if my kid starts going out and slide tackling kids like he be slide tackling, we're gonna end up with a lot of red cards. And that's gonna be a discussion we gotta have. And if my kid plays super physical in the midfield and gets fouls called on and it goes up to the referee's face and starts arguing, we're gonna have another conversation because they're never going to be able to survive in the depth that way. But again, that's the difference between being a youth player, youth referee, and being a professional player because there's more leeway, there's more understanding. It's part of the game.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just that the the fact
1: that the kids were doing it really bothered me. I mean, you could have that same argument in school, like with schools and work, the same thing, right? You show up late to school. You're probably going to show up late to work, right? You should show up on time to school. All you do if you miss school, you get a tardy. If you miss work, what happens? You get fired.
0: Yeah, but no, for sure. But 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 when you don't show up, but when when you're at work, when you're working, no one's in there yelling at you that you suck. Well, maybe some people are.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I've you know I mean, maybe you've been yelled at before in a meeting or something. But but I mean, if you're a referee, you're working though, right? That's my point, though. Why? Why do you? Why do you have to subject yourself to people yelling at you while you're working?
1: If you're an athlete and your team is down seven zero, people are going to leave, right? Yeah. That's just a nice. That's just a nice way of telling you you suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I believe me. I don't. I don't agree with the fact that I don't agree with the fact that fans should be like. There's a difference between Joe between the idea that the fandom. And you wanting to like do a chant or, or worst case scenario, you boo, right? You boo or you leave the field, right? So the idea of like throwing things at people, I don't think you should throw, throw things at people no matter what. I think sometimes a guy needs a beer thrown at his head. No, they, <laughs> no, because no, you know, why not? Because the reality is, is if, if, If you are, if you know that much more, if you're that much better than you would have been on that field. I mean, hey, listen. And the reality is, is you're probably not good enough to be on that field. And I'm not talking about you, but like I'm just saying, Jen and Jen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll go to try. I'll get in shape. (laughs) We talked. We've had this conversation. You don't want to run. I don't. There you go. So that's done. Uh, (laughs) Substitution at the 85th minute. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 11 minute minute, uh, extra time period. Like, you know. <laughs> can sub me out, <laughs> Jim. What are you doing? <laughs> but, but realistically, that's my point. Like, I just feel like, and in, in, believe me, I'm the person that yells at the referee or not yells at the referee. Sorry, I'm the one yeah, you that you do. Yell.
1: Yeah, you do. You admitted it on the podcast.
0: No, no, no. I'm the one that's sitting in my TV and yelling at the TV, but I'm doing that in my house.
1: I don't know, man. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but at the
0: same time. But I think same same we're going, to, we're going to find area. ourselves I think if we keep going down this path where we don't try to correct it too many people are just not going to put up with the abuse anymore and then like again those little kids feel like that's acceptable so then they then they they translate it in their minds at some point you do it long enough you become unconsciously competent at it um I mean you know, it's the
1: responsibility it, it, it's the responsibility of the parent the is parent that's also child. sitting
0: next to the kid yelling at the same yelling the same thing
1: right but it's the responsibility of the parent to teach the kid the difference between right and wrong right so yeah. the parent has to say hey we did this but you got to go respect your seventeen year old referee at your game you're not going to sit there and yell at him.
0: right but this is also the same parent that's going to either hop a fence or hop a board in an indoor game or the coach that's going to Get in a referee's face at a futsal tournament because those are parents too. And, and this is, and I will, I will a hundred percent admit to the fact that I've been the person that's yelled at a referee before, and I've, and I work at it every day to make sure that any game that I step forward, foot foot on, I don't have that reaction anymore. And I feel like this last year I've been a lot better at it. Um, I mean, my parents will tell you I almost pulled my hair out this weekend. But like I just I don't do it any like I just I just let it go because ultimately a I know it's not going to change if it becomes a safety thing that's the only thing I'll 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 speak up on but lately I don't I don't talk about anything else with the referee yeah because, no like, I agree nothing's I mean, going to change and if I want if I want to set the right example like it's hard for me to sit sit there in a parent meeting and say don't yell at the referees but I'm sitting there yelling at the referee right so I've learned that it becomes one of those things where you're going to have to show that by example. So if you want that to happen, then you're not going to be able to do it anymore.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I'm the same person that is going to sit there at a union game and yell out, ref, you suck. I will admit it. I agree. I am guilty. And Tope can look over and say, yes, he'd be heckling people. However, I'm the same person that will respect a referee, even if they make a bad call. And I may show it by just pulling my hair out. All right. You gotta, so, you, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta understand it too.
0: Okay. All right. So here's your here's your uh here's your moral question of the day. So you take your team to a Philadelphia Union game. Yep. You put them all on a bus. Yep. So say, let's just say for the for the sake of the argument, you put them on a bus. Permission sport. There's other adults there, right? Safe sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, every, yeah. Every, everything's good. But ultimately you're you're the chaperone. You take them to a Philadelphia Union game. Okay. And you end up doing that. Right. Now, this is now, yeah, yeah, doing the ref, you suck, everything else. You get on the bus. Right. And you have a game the next day. Yep. Right. And now, let's just say you have six players on your bench and six players. Somebody makes a bad call. You drop your head because you don't say that to the referees, and you just drop your head, or you look visibly. Your body language says you're upset with the call, but you're not going to verbally uh, do anything about it. Your bench in that moment starts going, "Ref, you suck! Ref, you suck!"
1: Same thing I do before I even took them to the game, and they say that kind of. Well, they don't say, "Ref, you suck," but they say, "Come on, ref!" And they start to get up and there's something that they think is a call.
0: What if sit they start down. chanting that they, the night before when you do it, they do it with you? Sit down
1: and I explain to them the difference. Okay. Same thing I, I do now. That's I've had it happen where kids get up and they like, oh, ref, ah, like, sit down and shut up. <laughs> Those are literally my words because you're not about to say and heckle this ref and I don't get a call the rest of the game. That's fine. If I we just all know how, we all know how youth refs operate. No, I I get it. I just if you I, get a call, I, I get a call. You get a call, I get a call. Yeah, I just. But if you get a call, we know how ref op, youth refs operate. Yeah. If you get a call and I argue that call, I'm not getting that makeup call.
0: Yeah. Ever. Listen, I Ever. just you know, I we, I, we
1: we've, we've seen that happen. We yeah, have, but I, I'm I just not getting my call.
0: I think, I think that there's room for us to improve on how we. It, it's either that or, or, again, I think it's an. And to me, it's a, it's a youth soccer club. Uh, well, I think there's room for all of us to improve because no, but I think there's a youth soccer club issue that, like, the parent education from a from a U.S. soccer perspective doesn't exist really, realistically, it doesn't. Well, so- the rules change, and they educate the referees. They don't tell us. Right. Well, no, for sure. Like, this is a systemic issue with it. But, but I think that's the rules change it. We're sitting there like, I thought
1: I understood the rule. Yeah. But the way you interpret the rule and the way I interpret the rule are two different things. Yeah. So, Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a a systemic issue. Um, Because I truly don't understand the whole referee getting kicked with the ball rule. Our kids don't understand it. Because we'll have possession, we'll kick the ball. The team in and possession the referee does a play. drop ball and then our kids will kick the ball away. No, the team gets the no, you get the ball back. I'm i Yeah, but our kids don't understand because on a drop ball, what are you used to doing in a drop ball? What have you always done in a drop ball?
0: Drop balls don't exist anymore. Contestant so drop mean? ball contestant drop balls don't exist anymore.
1: But I'm saying anymore. But the kids that are 13, 14 years old, where were no, were they I, No, at?
0: I get it. But then, but what are they you, always like, used to do it in a drop ball. Right. But then that's your job as a coach to teach them that.
1: What if you have a director that doesn't want you to stop practice to work on uh, set plays and restarts? Teach it within the game. Well, following a one drop ball and I turn it over.
0: And teach it within your scrimmage how your practice. <laughs> get a new technical director. <laughs> I don't know I don't know the answer to that question there you go I haven't I haven't been, I haven't I haven't been told what I'm I am or not allowed to do a practice in a long time so I'm not sure oh uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well I'm yeah. I, uh, that's what you say it's, it's
1: just a systemic issue yeah
0: no that's fair and again we can we can have this conversation for for days on end. but um all right but I do want to move on to uh to something that that doesn't bring me a lot of joy. Um, which is FIFA's the best awards. Oh yeah. Um they were given out on February twenty-seventh on Tuesday. I'm sorry, Monday. They were given out on Monday. Um Argentina sweeping uh going four for four on their on their categories. Um so Lionel Messi, and this is, and just for for that doesn't know, this is this is voted on by the coaches of every national team and the captains of every national team. The yeah, captains, the captains of every national team, and the coaches of every national team vote for if a, your national team has a coach. If your national team has a coach, because um, we had a Anthony Hudson, he is not our coach. I <laughs> would um, say he's not the coach. Um, So Lionel Messi wins uh, FIFA Best Men's Player um, by eight points ahead of Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Goalkeeper won by Emiliano Martinez, six points ahead of Courtois. Coach, uh, Lionel Scaloni, 11 points ahead of Ancelotti. Best Women's Player, Alexia Puteas from Spain. Uh, by a large margin over Alex Morgan and Beth Mead. Uh, Women's goalkeeper, Mary Earps, um, from England. And then uh, Serena Wegman, um, by by a long shot there, uh, the England women's national team coach. Then the FIFA Puskas Award um, was given to Marcin Oleski. from the amputee football uh, club of uh, what is it called Uh, Warta Poznan Um, great goal if you haven't seen it look him up Marcin Oleski Uh, the FIFA Fair Play Award uh, was given out to um, Luca Lacocheville say it again Luca Lokoshivile. Locushvili. Lukoshvili. <laughs> Locoshivili. Yeah. Lukoshvili. 24-year-old Georgia. Uh plays at Wolfsburger AC uh in the Austrian league. Um from Georgia, like the country, right? From Georgia, the country, yeah. Um <laughs> okay. he uh um his teammate um george tagles um he was um actually sorry he was in the playing different team at the time so it wasn't it was his it was his not his teammate his okay. is the other team um he was had swallowed his tongue uh after he got hit in the head um and uh he went in and cleared his airway um and then he was treated at a hospital so yeah yeah that's uh swallow your tongue. Yeah. Special award uh goes out to Pele, of course, and the FIFA fan award to the Argentinian fans for making the World Cup lively. So, USA. Um yeah, starting 11. Um you know, Lionel Messi in the starting 11 as a forward. So tell me if you would like this team. All right. So Courtois on the goal. It's a, it's an interesting formation. It's a 3-3-4. Three, three, <laughs> you know what you ever play a 3-3-4 three, three, doing? Yeah, I'm
1: trying to score goals. Uh
0: so Courtois on the goal, Van Dyke, Hakimi and Cancelo. Hakimi may not be playing much longer after what came out today. Uh if you don't know, look it up. He's accused of rape. Um well, midfielders. Up um Midfielders, uh, Casemiro, De Bruyne, and Modric. Casemiro been doing a lot of running in that game.
1: <laughs> he does a lot of running anyway.
0: But that's it. And then the forwards, uh, Mbappe, Messi, Big Benz, and Erling. Big Benz. Look at you, Ray Hudson. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine you you go up against uh, a starting... If you're the back four of a team, you're going up against Haaland, Benzema, Mbappe, and Messi it might have to be a bank seven
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah realistically because you need two players for mbappe you probably need three players for (laughs) yeah for ben's holland to win to challenge for the ball and to win the second ball (laughs) yeah so you're already up to five you still got Messi, and who's the other player no, and then behind that is Modric and Bruyne. Uh, oh, yeah. Those are your four. And then, yeah. And then you got to have a player playing like a free safety looking for
0: any through ball. Yeah. Um, I'll beat him. The, the, women's, the women's start uh, top 11. Uh, Christiana Endler uh, from Chile. Um, and the goal, Lucy Bronze, Leon, R- Wendy Nernard, who announced that she's no longer going to be playing in the um, French national team. Uh, and Leah Williamson in the back line. Uh, in the midfield, Lena Oberford, uh, Alexa Boteas, and uh, Kara Walsh. And the forward, Sam Kerr, Beth Mead, and Alex Morgan. So, pretty cool stuff. Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr. Cover of FIFA. Ah, uh, that's right. All right. Player of the match. You got a player of the match, Joy? Player of the match. Team I Got Sport,
1: man. Shout out oh. to that Team I Got Sport. Got sport? Nice. The engineers. Yeah. I think everybody's thanking them. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. That's right. Um, I think the people that work hard from the club perspective got a week off. Or maybe it was a really stressful week. So there was depending stressful. On depending on what they needed to do. Some people probably took the week off and said, Oh yeah, we can't do anything. I'm chilling. Stressful. And some people were probably like lost 30 pounds just by like sweating bullets <laughs> profusely <laughs> yes um yeah, was I was one of those people that were sweating bullets but shout out to Raphael too forget me up on God soccer for the tournament I forgot to shout out the beginning Raphael Raphael man Raphael from God sport man killed it so uh yeah God sport man getting us back up and running because we need you and you need us
0: <laughs> we need each other.
1: <laughs> oh, our partnership works so well
0: that's funny that's good um all right, my player of the match goes out to Julian Carranza Julian are Argentinian yeah man primo. yeah man uh my wife suggested that uh, the song Muchachos comes in uh whenever he scores a goal you know don't know that song that's uh that's the Argentina uh World Cup song right there get that get that three up I get that three up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> one for you.
0: Uh, so that's my player of the match. Um, all right. Uh, on this day in history and a fitting on this day in history. March 3rd, 1983. Bristol Rovers manager Bobby Bobby Gold fined himself 200 pounds for his comments made to the referee in the defeat in Bradford City the previous month.
1: Yeah, that's probably a lot back in '83.
0: Yeah, man. But there you go, man. That's accountability right there, sir. Who'd he pay a fine to himself? <laughs> this, this, the club, I guess. I don't know. He gave the club 200 pounds.
1: He bought all his buddies a beer at the bar, and that, that's <laughs> where he paid the fine to. Bobby Gold, man. That's funny. He probably paid it. He probably bought everybody a beer. He said, I'm sorry. Bob probably the, brought, bought the referee a beer.
0: and he probably bought himself a beer. So, Bobby Gold, man. Bobby got some gold. <laughs> uh, fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week goes out to um, KP, Mike B, and you. Oh. <laughs> that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Just, that's all you got to say. Don't say I anything think, else. I, I think you guys know why. Yeah. Uh, but specifically to KP, just for uh, for for being a f- fantastic coach to work with. So, yeah, that's it.
1: Uh, I'm gonna tell you who my fair play of the week is not going to. <laughs> I'm looking at it, look. I'm looking at a tournament schedule. Oh okay. boy! No, I want you to hear this out. Not AK, right? Not AK. No. Okay. Good. And in a world that this would be great, this also sucks. Okay. There's a team that plays at 9:20 a.m. Your second game isn't until 6:40 p.m. Same day,
0: nine twenty a.m. and then six forty p.m. Okay, what age? You seventeen, so not bad. No, that that makes sense actually from a
1: recovery perspective. Well, yeah, unless you unless you play at nine twenty and play at two forty, or play at two forty and play at six forty. But again, not arguing. Okay, my next game, which will be Sunday, is potentially at two forty or four o'clock. Wow. And if I win my 240 game, I don't play again until 640 on a Sunday night. Where is this? Plus, I got to drive.
0: Where is this happening?
1: Uh, Loudon area.
0: You going to tournament over there?
1: I am not. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. I personally am not. Okay. I personally know someone that is. Yeah. You personally know someone that is also going in and playing in the top bracket of this tournament. Ooh, okay. Fun. Um who kind of has a the weak side of the schedule. Where they play at 120,
0: 640, 8, and then 240. Okay. I mean, it is what it is, man. Sign up play. They're, they're boys teams. Um, and I think you can figure out the rest. 17 boys, I think you. I think, I think the bigger gap, the better from a recovery standpoint.
1: Absolutely, I, I couldn't disagree, but like, what am I supposed to do for all that time? Yeah, figure it out. Business some colleges. Um, all right, yeah, what time <laughs> at eight o'clock at night?
0: Do you have a no. fair play of the week or no? Oh,
1: uh, yeah, I do have a fair play of the week. Um, Let's see, Fair Play of the Week. My Fair Play of the Week to uh, Hilton Bus Service. Transport my kids up to a basketball game yesterday. There you go. Shout out to the the team that asked for us to stay longer to support their kids because they really appreciate it. St. Louis Women's College Basketball, I think they're the Billikens, had a coach directly come up to us and say, hey, can you guys stay for our game? So shout out to Hilton for getting us there. And then shout out Did to you St. Say? Louis. No, man. Bus <laughs> shortage. You can't stay any. Field trips are here and here. You got to leave at nine and be back by two. Okay. There is no shortcuts on this day of history. In this day of history.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, All right. yeah, shout out to,
0: to Hilton, man. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well. Um, hopefully by next week we'll be able to give you or I'll be able to give you a recap of the uh, of the first play day with Odessa actually two two scrimmages by next week Uh, we'll have two games in or three games in by next week so be fun uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at de soccer podcast thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot